Nashville, Tennessee is home to some of the world's finest musicians. From country music to R&B to hip-hop and everything in between, if you've heard it, Nashville's got it. But ever since I moved to the city in 2013, I've met some incredible musicians who fall in between the cracks. Amazing musicians who are passionate about that other music. So I'm not here to talk about the music you've probably heard. I'm here to introduce you to them, illuminate their music, and share their stories. My name is David Rogers. I'm an improviser, composer, and pianist here in Music City, USA. And I want to welcome you to the Improviser's Corner. On today's episode, I get the opportunity to sit down with keyboardist Mike Hicks. We talk about everything from navigating his musical journey as a sideman with Kev Moe, Johnny Lang, and now Rascal Flatts, to his love for basketball, and the joys and challenges of being an independent artist here in Nashville. Maybe, there's not a lot of these people, certainly not in Nashville, but for those three or four people who don't know who you are, uh, <laughs> maybe give us a little background on, on yourself, your journey, who you are musically, otherwise. Yeah. Um, Mike Hicks, born and raised in Warner Robins, Georgia, a small town, um, son of a pastor and choir director. So probably as typical of a church boy story as you can get. Uh, basketball fiend and fanatic growing up, still am. Mm -hmm. um, got into music from a, a writing perspective mm. and then writing um, really strictly lyrics. Wow. And then that led to not being able to communicate what I was hearing musically yeah. to musicians. So that started the, the journey of playing. It's really trying to figure out how to get out what I was hearing in my head. Wow. And so um, left to go to college, went to Middle Tennessee State, mm -hmm. go Blue Raiders. <laughs> um, did that thing, graduated, struggled, got a random uh, couple of phone calls that led to meeting and working with Kev Mo. And that was a life changer, game changer. I'm forever indebted to that dude. Love him to death. And uh, Kev Mo went to Johnny Lane, went to Rascal Flats and yeah. that's the sideman thing. And then uh, I do my own stuff as well when time and money uh, <laughs> permit. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's in a nutshell. Been married for a year. That's a major thing. Wow. Yeah. What was what was that? Remind me of that story. You were playing something with the flats. Oh, right man. around. Yeah. Refresh my memory. What was that? That was a crazy thing. We um, in scheduling the wedding, you know, looking at calendars, trying to see, you know, when are open days, and it came up Labor Day weekend is open. <laughs> Great. So hit up, you know, management, everything. Like, hey guys, look, I'm I'm looking at. September 2nd mm. for the wedding. Is there anything, anything, anything? No, no, nothing, nothing. All's well, everything's great. And um, we were in Memphis 
in June. At this point, deposits have been made, you know, uh, vendors have been secured, yada, yada, yada. And uh, one of my uh, bandmates goes, yeah, do you, um, he was asking about, you know, when's the wedding again? I told him, he was like, oh yeah, it's right after that thing they just added. And I was like, okay, he's a jokester, so I'm not, I'm not gonna budge. Right. Like, sure, whatever. He was like, no, like I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't joke about this. He's like, I'll joke about everything else, but no, for real. There's a, a date that just got added. And I looked and sure enough, the night before the wedding, we had a, um, a gig in North Carolina. It was a few days before we played in Ohio, rushed back home that Friday, do wedding rehearsal that Saturday morning. Leave wedding rehearsal with my groomsmen, drive to Carolina to catch up with Flats, play the gig, drive back, get married Sunday. So, <laughs> so it was a, uh, it's it's a cool story to have attached to it, and yeah. uh, and it was great because you know the guys, the uh, uh, Flats, the, the the fellas in the band, they came to the wedding as well. So it was it was cool. Yeah, yeah, that's an amazing story. on the touring for many years yeah right? at this point um probably more than 10 years yeah yeah it's 2019 so probably right at 10 11 years at this point so yeah and i know from my very short brief experience that life on the road takes its toll oh, in, yeah. in many different ways yeah absolutely and I, i'm curious because I haven't figured it out. Um, as someone who is as creative as you are, what? How do you manage the road life where it can where it takes a toll on you, creatively, physically, emotionally? Yeah. Um, how do you navigate that? Um, one thing that I had to learn was, of course, you know, recharge run errands, do what you got to do, do that type of stuff. Mm. But I really had to immerse myself when I was at home in my own stuff. You can frustrate yourself in trying to be creative in whatever capacity you're in on the road. And if that's not necessarily welcomed or uh, encouraged, mm -hmm. then, then it becomes a friction of, well, I got you know, these ideas and my own personality, you know, pent up that, you know, there's no room for it on stage because it's not my show, it's not my music. Right. It's it's a challenge of, of, can I make the time when I'm home to be creative? For a while, I used to take, you know, a bunch of gear and a bunch of stuff and work on stuff during the day mm -hmm. um, or at night 
And that's cool, but that can also wear on you mm -hmm. to the point to where, like, if I'm spending four hours in the morning, if I'm if I'm working from ten to two mm -hmm. with you know in ears in, and I'm I'm working working working, and then two o'clock comes, and depending on the situation, it could be that can be a sound check that's anywhere from fifteen minutes to two and a half hours <laughs> so if that's another you know couple of hours on top of the four that i've already spent once by the time i get to the show you know i'm i can be worn out totally you know as far as my ears being worn out my brain being worn out yeah and then i'm not i'm not executing what i'm supposed to be like what i'm paid to do yeah. you know so um you know, part part of it really is, you know, working and grinding at home so that the the time on the road is not conflicted with, you know, is this my my personal, you know, shared time or, or whatever else. Yeah. You know. thing about transitioning into the flats gig oh thing. my goodness okay the most surprising thing is the amount that i get to play yeah. like the degree to which i'm able to be me and it was cool because it was a situation where they hired me to be me mm. and so going in i expected it for it to be you know because it's a much bigger production yeah. And because it's, you know, there's a different thing when it comes to times and curfews and all of that stuff. I expected for it to kind of be, once we rehearse, lock that in, autopilot for the rest of the tour. And from night to night, there's something different, you know, from week to week, they may, you know, look at the set, reassess some things like we need to add this, we need to change this. Let's do a different hit here. Yeah. Or it was just really surprising on on how how free of a situation it is. I mean, granted, yeah. it's still play the show within the confines of what it is. Like like, you know, let's not go crazy here. Yeah. But it's also don't autopilot me either. Ah. Like they I mean they they actually looked at me like, okay, you know, we heard that last night. What else you got? Yeah, yeah. You know? And so it's cool. It's it's a um it's just a different it's a different thing. I would say the the three the three um touring gigs that are kinda on, you know, my resume and, and timeline is it's Keb, Johnny Lane mm -hmm. and Rascal Flats. 
and they're all three completely different and completely enjoyable things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I want to ask you about basketball. Okay. Cause, right. Because this, this is fun. This is fun to talk about music, but it's also fun to talk about non-music too. Oh, yeah. Um, the NBA this season. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. I can't wait either. Can't wait. <laughs> I grew up a Lakers fan. I'm not, I'm not a bandwagon Lakers fan. I grew up in Southern California, so I've been that way since I was four or five. Who are, who is a player or a team who people are sleeping on who they should not be sleeping on? Okay, the, the slept on team, it's kind of weird. If, if the off season hadn't been what it was, mm-hmm. I don't think this would be considered a slept on team, but I think a slept on team that's getting lost in all the narrative um, Portland Trailblazers. Uh-huh. I think, I mean, it's kind of hard to say slept on when they went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Mm-hmm. But if you were to ask most people, I don't think anybody's considering them to, I mean, the tears for a lot of people go LA, LA, whichever you've got one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston's getting love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denver will definitely be uh one of the top seeds, I think. Utah's getting a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Um I think people sleeping on my Warriors. But I'm a, I'm, 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 I'm a Steph Curry fanatic. Um so I still got the Warriors showing up. But I think people sleeping on Portland. They um they kept a lot of their core. They added um some great pieces and and they're hungry too. And I think CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard. Yeah. It, it's just an incredible, incredible duo. best friends uh a guy who i um he's he's a peer but he's also like a mentor to me again in tyrus says tyrus always says musicians play like their personality and i think the same goes for for basketball players as well and um and for me um as a player, I always want to be efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a highlight here or there, but I didn't want to run point. It's not really my thing. Um, and so even that, that translates, you know, musically. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't like to do a whole lot of stuff. I'd rather it just feel good and be efficient. Like, especially in, I think it shows up more in in sessions uh-huh. to where I I feel like I've started to shine more with just coming in being efficient. Can I play the parts? Sure. Can I give you a motif or something here or there, you know, a sig lick, you know, or a line? Sure. 
Mm-hmm. If you ask me to solo, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in soloing ever. Mm-hmm. And so in the same thing, I'm not interested in, you know, pulling somebody out one-on-one like Harden or Kyrie. <laughs> yeah. I love to see it. Yeah, yeah. I love to watch it. So like, I love, in the same way that I love to watch James Harden or Kyrie go one-on-one with somebody and make the highlight, I absolutely love to watch like Corey Henry oh, yeah. play who who can buy himself on an organ, piano, uh, harpage, whatever, <laughs> you know, just he's just absolutely incredible. Yeah. I love to watch it, but don't call me uh-huh. to be Corey Henry. Yeah, yeah. Number one, I don't have the chops. <laughs> Number two, that's just not doing that is not what what moves me. Sure. And so you kind of alluded to it earlier with, you know, you play sessions, you do mm-hmm. quite a few sessions, you tour on the road, you do the artist thing here in town. You do so many things at a high level. And from the outside looking in, that's, it's amazing. It's truly just amazing. From the inside looking out, are there things that you feel that are particularly difficult to manage the diversity of things, especially as a independent local artist? Oh yeah. For sure. Nashville, to me, is a very difficult place to play music in hmm. just because there's so many of us. But as far as being Mike Hicks, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think there's anybody who does Mike Hicks better than Mike Hicks. And it took a very long time to hmm. figure that out because I get, I don't know how many times it's, oh, I get it. So he's like the Nashville PJ Morton. And <laughs> PJ is not only a mentor and like a big brother in the game for me, um, he's a friend of mine who I've been able to reach out to for years and years. And he's on that single that you put yeah. out this year. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so I'm um, not only flattered and honored by that, but for a minute it was, it really was trying to kind of reproduce what PJ does. And then I realized like, okay, PJ's a different, he's a different cat mm-hmm. than I am. And we value different things. Um, musically and whatever else and once I figured it out it was like okay cool I know how to do me and I got a grip on doing me It's not as sweet and it's not as good without the people around me. I mean, that's that's a starting point for everything for me, mm-hmm. is that I'm cool at what I do and I get I get that. I know what I do well now. Um, I know what I don't do well. And I'm blessed to have people around me who do, who are excellent at what they do, who make the situation as a whole look like what it is as far as influence it's it's twofold it's black music and um and i say it like that 
just because I didn't grow up with all of the musical influences that a lot of people, uh, the stuff that you're supposed to grow up with, the stuff that you're supposed to know as a musician. Mm -hmm. I think people find it comical how little of the major stuff yeah, me too. I actually know. <laughs> and so like, I feel like when you see a Mike Hicks show, you will definitely get some degree of an expose in black music. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing too is I'm very drawn to uh, speakers and preachers. And, I mean, my dad was a pastor. Yeah. Uh, I was licensed to preach when I was in high school. Right. And so I was actually probably, I may have been preaching before I was playing in church. Wow. And so I, I love that. I, you know, I, I'd watch preachers at home. I still watch preachers now just because I love the interaction of it. Um, not always for content sake, but the way they could communicate was just captivating to me. And so when people come to a show and, you know, they're like, somehow you're able to get a bar to be like completely silent, you know, or you're able to communicate things that may be challenging for people to listen to or hear, yeah. but you're able to do so in a way, it's because of people who I've studied. To me, growing up in black churches is, is the ultimate um, college. <laughs> it's the ultimate place of higher learning for, it's, it's training ground for learning how to react and control a situation in a room. Yeah. You know, how to flow. It's, it's, I always say there's a thread, um, it's kind of interwoven in all of black music mm -hmm. that's expressed differently, but I feel like it comes from the same place. Yeah. So on one hand, it's, you know, in church, it's, you know, you got to follow the spirit because yeah. anything goes, anything in any key at any time <laughs> goes. And so it's, you know, you got to follow the spirit in R&B. It's, it's, vibing can you know can you sit in a vibe and just you know vibe on something and see where it goes it's the same thing yeah. you know in jazz it's improvisation you right. know can you can you sit within a band context and and as different things are happening flow and move with it in hip-hop it's it's freestyle right. you know it's can i take my environment and what's happening and move you know, along with it. Yeah. And so I, I, I love it. What advice would you give your younger self? <sighs> practice. Hmm. Practice. Because it gets more difficult to practice as you get older. Hmm. I mean, it takes, it takes some discipline to carve out the time, but um, so much of my time spent now is learning music or producing music or working on stuff. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that I wasn't doing the same thing when I was younger, because it was, but I also, it wasn't prioritizing spending time with my wife right. or, you know, going and, and being 
a present uncle to my nephews, mm. you know, or doing this thing or that thing, or trying to be, you know, present in the community, in schools, and yada, yada, yada. It wasn't all of that. So while there's time to practice and learn, practice and learn. Mm. And not just from a musicianship standpoint of playing, but also like, you know, work on, if you want to produce, research, learn mm. what production is and how that goes, engineering, whatever, you know, really, I, I wish I could tell my younger self to to work on those things. Last question quickly. How good was that Popeye's fried chicken sandwich? Oh, man. Oh, man. Yo. It's great. It's great. I can't even front. It's great. I'm a Chick-fil-A stan. I, I love, I mean, I love the environment, everything about Chick-fil-A. Um, but I can do, I can do Chick-fil-A regularly. That Popeye's thing is special. And I don't think I don't think I can do the Popeye thing every day, <laughs> but it's it's weird. It made me realize Chick Fil A tastes like Chick Fil A, like it is. It's just Chick Fil A. Yeah. I don't really know how to describe it. It's Chick Fil A. Popeyes tastes like like a fried chicken sandwich. It's like fried chicken. What what fried chicken tastes like <laughs> after church or after 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 if you go to a black funeral and they got a repast, it's the the fried chicken that you get there. Those folks are the ones who contributed the recipe <laughs> for uh, the Popeye's joint. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed reading that expose yesterday. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, serious. Well, cool. Thank you so much. This yeah, was great. Bro, this thank you, awesome. man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing a little playing. Yeah.